3: Welcome to a Celtic State of Mind, I'm Paul John Dykes and once again I'm joined by Colin Watt, this is the second bulletin Colin, of the day, we were joined earlier on today by Simon Donnelly, what's your memories of Sid in a Celtic jersey?
4: Do you know what, it's, it's unfortunate for Sid because, oh depends on how he looks at it but his time at Celtic was sort of towards some of my earlier memories so they're a bit vague. Mm. Um but obviously being part of the team that stopped 10 in a row is just a massive point in Celtics history and it's something that he certainly should be remembered for. seen a few comments coming through you saying that he's looking really good and he looks as if he could still play. It does look as if the age hasn't really got to him yet, hasn't it?
3: No, he's certainly aged well. Um, and of course he plays for the Celtic Greats team that's set up by a, a really good guy called Bernie from Scotia Plumbing who sets these games up for charity and a Celtic state mind sponsors the Celtic jerseys I really should bring one into the studio Yeah, yeah. I do have one at home but, not uh, your own no <laughs> that's right and Simon, Simon's a captain and he he's, he's fit as a fiddle you know um, I don't know what age he is what what will he be 44, 45 Simon Donnelly but uh, he's looking I good been, he's looking fit and well and uh, obviously he he was saying he reckons Celtic's uh, form is going to return he thinks it's an issue of form it's going to return um, we're going to turn it around starting this weekend So let's talk all about that Colin, do you think it's as simple as that?
4: Well, do you know what? Just to start things off It's absolutely brilliant to be looking forward to domestic football again um, As great as things were for Scotland qualifying for the Euros next year And I'm actually very much looking forward to it I'm going to go down to London um, You're so, going to
3: cover the games for us?
4: Well, we can speak about that one off air But certainly looking to get down to London All things going well and look forward to seeing the two games at Hampden as well. We'll be a struggle to get tickets, but it's just good to have that feel good factor about Scottish football at the moment. Um, and hopefully, the players like McGregor, like Taylor, like Christie, uh, like Griffiths can bring that back into Celtic form, and we start to see um, a wee run going here now for Celtic. Because I think that Motherwell game kind of came at the wrong time. Still think it would have been good if we had a, another game after that to see if we could get a bounce on effect. Mm. Hibs at the weekend. It's certainly going to be a difficult task. I, I can't remember the last time we won there. Somebody tells me it might have been about 2014, 2015 at Easter Road. Obviously, we won in the Scottish Cup, but in the league, it's been it's certainly been a while. That's obviously been been affected by the fact they were down in the Championship mm-hmm. for a couple of years as well. But do you know what? I feels a bit further
3: back than that, you know. Really? I think so. No, sorry, I'm thinking two two thousand seventeen. Um, Someone will be able to check that for us um, On Facebook, Twitter and YouTube Certainly give us uh, any information that we get wrong Tell us your comments Ask us your questions And we'll run through as many as we can Wasn't as easy to do that earlier on Because we had obviously Simon Donnelly The special guest in We're talking to Sid About a number of different things Obviously they've launched a few gins They've given us a few bottles We're going to be giving them out as prizes Colin If you subscribe to us on YouTube, you'll be in a, a prize draw. You can win a, a Chris Sutton or a McIvenny. So I think what we'll do this week, it'll be Macca. One of my favourite Celts of all time is Frank McIvenny because I've got this... I reminisce about the, the centenary season. I know you're more of a Martin O'Neill man when mm-hmm. you think about getting into into Celtic. But when I started going to the games, it was 1987. And as I keep reminding everybody, I've watched Celtic in five decades, Colin. That's how old I am. Five decades.
4: So what am I then? Four
3: did you watch them in the 80s? Uh, the 90s? 90s. Or, did you, yeah? For, well, no, actually,
4: no. My first no. game was 2000.
3: Oh, there you so go. Only then. three. Three decades, yeah. Still a young pup. And uh, I do think of the, the centenary side, and McAveni was a star of that team. An absolute star. You know, and I know he was only there, I think, 18 months first time round. But um, I still regard him really highly, thinking back to those days. And of course, the other ones, Chris Sutton, which is more your era.
4: Yes. Uh, Sutton was like one of my favourite players growing up, you looked at that front three, Sutton, Hartson and Larson and you grabbed your pals and that's the three that you wanted to be up front. Um, I mean Sutton, he's like the kind of signing you just wouldn't get these days, the £6 million uh, striker on the verge of the England squad, basically I think he turned down a, a B cap and that's how he didn't really get a call up to the side. Yep. Played in European football, a league winner, a golden boot winner down south. Mm -hmm. That kind of player you just wouldn't attract these days. And when you think back to that team and the players that we've got, if you tried to compare them to players that we've got in the current squad, um, and you compare the likes of who Sutton would be compared to nowadays, you say it would be totally out of Celtic's price range.
3: I get what you're saying, but what I would say is that at the time we signed him, he was a player who obviously had had a very poor season with Chelsea. Yes. He, can't, he can't quite explain why he had such a poor season at Chelsea after everything you just mentioned, there, all the success, international success, part of the SES at Blackburn. You know, he made a name for himself at Norwich before that, of course. Yeah. Um, but I think when you look at who Sutton was, what he had achieved, I get exactly what you say, but he was a player who was out of favour in English football. And although there were other, other English teams in, uh, interested in signing him, Middlesbrough were interested in signing him. You know, it was a coup at the time. But I, I'd still look at the, the players we've brought in from the the EPL this season and I think, similarly, we've bought players who were out of favour. We've bought Duffy, who hadn't played for about nine months for Brighton's first team. El Yunusi, who was so far out of the picture at Southampton. Mm-hmm. And also Ayeti, who had been a flop at West Ham. So, although I get what you're saying, that is the type of player in terms of someone who's out of favour, someone who's lost form, that we will go for because we can't go for the... The top end players for obvious reasons but
4: Definitely yeah
3: um, Chris Sutton again I like him a lot I like him as a pundit and uh, However when he does Come out and say things that I don't agree with I, I don't feel any loyalty uh, To Chris Sutton to say uh, Not to, to mention it and I think He was OTT With his um, criticism of Lee Griffiths and his yeah. fitness
4: yeah.
3: Uh, And also uh, El Yonoussi With a mobile phone I think he was OTT with that.
4: I agree with you. Absolutely 100% agree with you. As we said when we covered the Motherwell game um, the other week, if the Elanousi thing was the thing that annoyed you most about that performance against Sparta, then you really need to reevaluate what's important to be a Celtic fan. Um, that, that game just showed the frailties that we do have as a team, and if we don't come together, then it's results like that we'll see more and more often. The kind of the results you want to see, though, is like the results that we did get against Motherwell. Although there was times where Motherwell had chances, we certainly made the most of ours. And I think we need to keep doing that. We need to keep finding the way to the back of the net. Um, if we score more goals than the other team, you win more games. That's the way it is. And if we are struggling defensively, it's maybe something that we need to look at as a, as a mantra for the team. If you can start getting the clean sheets, then you can start looking at well, it's all right, we only scored two this week. But it might be it might see more games. It's like four three, five four. Um, with the attacking options we've got, they're certainly more beneficial to the team than some of the defensive options we've got at the minute Oh,
3: well, without a doubt. I mean I have said a few times, I don't really have the concerns up front. When I when I think about, you know, what would be your, your kind of first choice players, Frimpong down the right, Laxalt down the left. Eduard up front would be my first choice, and then in behind them, Christel Delionus Rogic. I have no concerns whatsoever about that part of the team. It's what lies behind that, where the issue lies. And I said yesterday, Colin, I don't know if you agree, if we get a few things right, things that haven't been right all season, A, the goalie. Mm -hmm. Get that right. And I think the goalie is Barkas. I think that's your answer. Mm -hmm. I have trust and faith in Stevie Woods to do what is required to make sure that goalkeeper, that record goalkeeper signing for Celtic um, is equipped to do a job In the job that he was brought in to do Yep Right in front of him Shane Duffy He's on big wages We paid a big fee In terms of a loan fee for him He's a Celtic man through and through He's here for the 10 All of these things Right we want to see it now Yep We want to see you performing Like you perhaps did For the Republic Ireland against Wales And then just in front of that This defensive uh, duo Of McGregor and, and Brown When he sort that out How do he sort that out Do he play with a one As we did We, we played with one kind of deep-lying midfielder under Rodgers plenty of times yep. uh, and that certainly wasn't McGregor McGregor was more advanced so if you, if you and it sounds simplistic but these are the three glaring things that have been issues for me as well as Edward's form which obviously is, is the lead question today um, you know, is he going to overcome that through his international exertions? We asked Simon Donnelly that question if Sid went away with Scotland and played well did that help him in club football? Simon Donnelly thinks it does so that would be the fourth problem that I think Celtic need to resolve. And I'm hoping, and it's not a magic wand, I mean, the international game uh, and the international break's not going to work as an inter- as a wand, but the- there's four things that need to be sorted out. Um, whether we can sort all four of them out at Easter Road, who knows. Um, of the-, the four positions that I'm talking about, talk me through your team anyway, Colin, but tell me how you would combat the issues that we've had with Barca's or the goalkeeper, Duffy, the central uh Midfield issue with regards Mm -hmm. to the defensive um, low lying uh, midfielders and your forward, who any other time would be first pick Edward, no question. But this season, he's he's really not been on top form for us.
4: What I do have to say is, I've watched um, McGregor and Christie play for Scotland over the last couple of games, and certainly even the game that they lost there on Sunday. What I did notice is they play with such freedom. At the minute it's one touch passes and the the pace of the game seems to be very quick. There's not a lot of that you see from Celtic this season. I feel Celtic are very slow to get forward. There's a lot of extra touches being made where the pass is then uh, taken out the question. You can't really make that pass that you're looking to make. We hold on to the ball too long. We don't get it wide. We don't get the balls over. We don't take the shots. And if you look at Scotland over the last couple of games, they've tried to play like that. They've tried to play more freely where it's pass and move and pass and move and I think McGregor is a key part of that. Stephen Presley came out last week and said he didn't think that uh, McGregor could play in that defensive holding role. well, I hope he's took a look at those last who, two games and says, okay I was wrong. Who's
3: he managing at the moment?
4: Uh, probably his own his own sons, I don't
3: know. No one. So yeah. the, I mean when he came out with our comments we brought it up on the podcast didn't we? He, he was yeah. talking about McGregor getting dropped for Scotland. You know, ridiculous comment. Absolutely ridiculous and I think the best way to answer that is by the performances we've seen from Callum McGregor.
4: And you see that because it was him and Ryan Jack playing in the holding midfield roles and they both managed to get themselves forward at times and behind them is Scott McTominay who is not a centre-back but for Scotland he has been developed into one and he's playing in that right centre-back role. Scotland's playing a 3-5-2 and at no point Really, did it ever look that Scotland were being stretched at the back in the way that we've seen Celtic that's this season? So for me, that is Callum McGregor's role. And as we go through the team, I'll, I'll go through it now and I'd like to see um, what the viewers and the listeners think. But I've gone with Barkas in goal. I said that in the Motherwell game, I would like to bring him back in. I think he's definitely um, he definitely should be Celtic's number one. I don't think Scott Baines put a foot wrong, really. But when you spend the money that you have spent on Barkas, then you're looking for him to be your number one. You're looking for him to command the jersey.
3: I agree with you. Can I interject just for a moment about that, though, where been. I've heard a lot of the, uh, talk around he's, he's not really done anything wrong. He was on the end of the Sparta Prague defeat 4-1, which was abysmal. Mm. And he's not solely to blame. But you look at... When was the last really, really abysmal result if you forget about the 7 nothing against Barcelona, etc? Or PSG, rather. and You look at um, Bratislava, Gordon Strachan. Who was in goals? David Marshall. David Marshall. And then for the return leg, Boric was in goals. So you think to yourself, right, you ship four goals against Sparta Prague. Yeah, you, you can't blame me for every goal. But I was surprised he was in against Muller. I'm the same as yourself, Colin. I would have gone back to Barkas then, and I certainly would now, against Hibs.
4: How much of it was really an injury And how much of it was him being rested How much will we actually know about that You know it's
3: Probably a bit of acute management If if he's picked up a, a slight injury uh, I, I wouldn't have liked to collide With Shane Duffy let's be honest But <laughs> uh, when you look at some of the descriptions That Kevin Gr- Graham gives to, to Big <laughs> Duffy But um, it might have been An opportunistic uh, change By the the gaffer Bring him out you know. Uh, let him compose himself to, before we bring him back in uh, but in the meantime We've basically waved goodbye to European football And I'm not saying that was Scott fault. That was a dreadful performance across the, across the field no. But It's now time to bring him back in
4: Yeah and I also don't think that if you'd bark and go it Would have been any different against Sparta Because as a team we just didn't function that game um, And there wasn't There wasn't many moments that you'd have said That even Fraser Foster would have saved us in that game We'll come um, back to Foster So that was just a poor team effort I've slightly changed it up here because I'm wary of a lot of Hibs attacks coming down the left-hand side. The left-back that plays for Hibs, Josh Doig, um, he's a a real up-and-coming talent and certainly when we played them in pre-season at Parkhead, he was the one that got the goal at the back post with a volley and he certainly looked very effective against Rangers at Easter Road earlier in the season and for that reason I've brought El Hamid in at right-back. Okay. Um, Just to offer a bit more cover at the back, especially with the fact that we're very limited with who we've got in the centre-half positions. Mm -hmm. In those positions, I've went with Ayer and Duffy. The only reason being that there are more cultured centre-backs than near Beaton. As much as I was impressed with the performances with Beaton and Ayer at Motherwell, where Ayer, as we said at the time, changed his game to accommodate who he was playing alongside, I just think... There's more cover there from El Hamid than what there would be from Frimpong, and I don't think Duffy would be left as exposed as what he has been before. So mm-hmm. I've went with Duffy and Ayer, mm-hmm. and at the minute you just can't drop Diego Lasso.
3: You can't. I mean, I think he's been our best signing of the six so far. It's early days, but I do think he's made the biggest impact. Mm-hmm. yet when he came in initially, looked as though he was going to be a goal a game. Yep, uh, but you know due to the fact that we've
2: Not just a media company iHeart Media is your access company Go to iHeartResults.com for more
3: Things up as well Colin He's not been playing as, as regularly As he might have expected But I, I'm So far Your first five shouts I'm going to agree with you I'm going to agree with you I'm now going to ask you Before you move into midfield I've seen a lot of comments coming through Via Twitter, Facebook and YouTube And if you are commenting on YouTube, make sure that you do subscribe and we'll put you into a prize draw as well. Um, people saying we don't need two deep-lying midfielders when we're playing domestically. Do we even need one? Do we even need one?
4: I look back at some some footage. Um, great Twitter account to follow is Lil Z, um, who posts games of on the day. Like So like eight years ago today we played such and such. And I looked at the midfield from Lennon's first spell and you had guys like Biram Kayal and Victor Wanyama in there, and the game that was shown was uh, a victory up at Petaudri, where Victor Wanyama hit the post from about 30 yards, and it fell to Lassad to put it in the back of the net. Um, there's a, a throwback and a half, isn't
3: there? Not as bad as Capo, but, no but yeah.
4: <laughs> but back then, it was a four four two, so there was no holding midfielders. Mm-hmm. Now we're playing that sort of four two three one, or as what could be a four five one. I've picked McGregor and Cham for those positions purely because I think they offer more of an attacking option and I think if we keep Hibs on the back foot then we've got a better chance of getting the victory. I think if you let them come at you and you give them the opportunity someone like Kevin Nisbet will get in front of you and will get a goal. So let's keep them on the back foot. It seemed to work for the first half certainly against Motherwell where we've seen the likes of McGregor and Brown. Basically on the edge of the eighteen-yard box, picking up the ball and commanding the area. Let's let's kind of maintain on that. So, and Cham get the the goal off the bench against Motherwell. I'd put him in. McGregor's been outstanding for Scotland. He's in there for me.
3: Right, Brown.
4: Brown's on the bench.
3: Okay, so you're dropping the captain at his old stomping ground. Bold move, bold move. Um, and who else are you selecting?
4: So my further front, up the field. Yeah. So my front four. Um delighted to have Iron Elanus back available. I know there was a lot of doubt over that in the last few days with their exertions with Norway, but they didn't get any game time when they were away. Mm. Their games are cancelled. So the fact that we've got them back fresh, they've had two weeks off, that should be good for them. Mm. So I've went with Elanussi, we've went with Christie on the right, Rogick through the middle, and speaking of old stomping grounds, Lee Griffiths is my striker.
3: Right. So Eddie and Brown on the bench. Yes. Um so as we always say, you know, that's how you would line up. Do you think Lenny will line up like that?
4: Nah. No. I mean it's it's quite hard to pick a, a new Lennon team selection. Um even in the bigger games he likes to throw the odd curveball in now and again. So I think he'll probably go with Edward. I think he wants to get Edward's confidence back up. Mm-hmm. Um, but if Lee Griffith starts tonight and scores for Scotland Surely that throws him in with every bit as much contention as what Edward would have.
3: Just on that point, um, you know, certain fans have a, a, a specific relationship with the national side, the national team. Mm-hmm. Uh, with the success of qualifying for the first time in 22 years for a, a, a major tournament's finals, Colin, you know, it does add a bit of interest. Of course, it does. You know, um, I've felt, you know, disenchanted with Scottish national team for a long long time Uh, and then of course your interest wanes doesn't it Mm -hmm. especially when you know and I've got to say it during the period that McLeish comes in for the second tenure you honestly expect me to go and watch that I mean when it's been uh, nepotism that's gotten the job I've got no interest in watching the team there and I I make no uh, absolutely no apologies for saying it but since Steve Clark comes in and it actually looks as though he had a plan didn't it and I We've sang the praises of Clark over the piece on a Celtic state of mind. If you were to go back and uh, listen to it even a couple of years back, the, what, the job he did at Kilmarnock was incredible. We all mm-hmm. know what he did at Kilmarnock. He made them a force that, you know, it was difficult to beat them, not even just at Rugby Park. But I remember them coming to Celtic Park and getting a couple of draws at Celtic Park. And, you know, he knew how to build a, a unit and play to his strengths, didn't he? Um, yeah, and it's exactly what he's done. Scotland, but then you look at the croppy players that we've got at the moment and, you know, a bit of good time in there as well. When you look at some of the players that we've got and quite a few of them are playing at the, the top level down south, uh, you then look underneath that, the under 21s, there's are quite a few talented players bubbling under the mm-hmm. surface, Colin, I mean, Turnbull, who's not been uh, selected by yourself in the team, being one of them, Lewis Ferguson, another, you've got Gilmer coming through, you've got all these different options that hopefully uh, we'll have at our disposal if their careers go the way it looks as though they're going. So you've got Lee Griffiths there, you're saying potentially starting tonight. Now you've got you've got Christie and McGregor having played two games. Do you think they're going to be rested? Do you think Clark's going to give them a third game?
4: He's going to give them a third game because of the importance of what tonight means. Mm-hmm. I mean it can't be ruled out how important this game is for Scotland tonight in terms of qualification for the next World Cup. So like any manager he's going to want his best team at his disposal... And it will either be Dykes or Griffiths up front. Mm-hmm. The Dykes missed the game on Sunday through suspension. He's been a great target man for Scotland. He's certainly been miles better than Ollie McBurney, who I still don't understand how the boys are a professional football player.
3: You said that about Ollie Burke as well,
4: and I wasn't proved wrong. Um, they must
3: have something at that level. I know I've seen a lot, of, a lot of criticism about Ollie McBurney, right? But. They're playing international football, they must have some I remember the same comment getting made, Colin, not by you, by one of our other pundits about Lyndon Dykes when he was at Livy. Oh there's no way he should even be a professional footballer. Look what he's done.
4: But I tell you the difference between Lyndon Dykes and Ollie McBurney. So Lyndon Dykes played eighty two minutes of that game away at Serbia, and every time the ball went up to him, he'd win a flick on, he'd hold the ball up, he would shield the ball, he'd link up the play. I've been impressed. When Ollie McBurney came on, the first thing he done was give away a foul, and then he done it again, and again, and his touch was all over the place, and the ball wasn't sticking. I'm
3: not standing up for him, mate.
4: <laughs> no, I'm just saying, the changes against Serbia nearly cost Scotland the qualification for the Euros, the players that he brought on. I know. You're looking at Callum Patterson, Ollie McBurney, Kenny McLean, and the, you've got options on the bench like Lee Griffiths, like Stuart Armstrong. You've got to go into these games with your strongest eleven, and for that reason, I think that's why McGregor and Christie will start tonight for we'll Scotland. Start
3: again, um, and again, obviously, it's a quick turnaround for them, isn't it? Uh, to, Definitely to yeah. then get prepared for the Celtic game.
4: But then, so El Hamid's suspended. Yep, but near Beaton will play tonight. Mm-hmm. So that could have been four players that were playing in the same game.
3: We've, we've mentioned um, quite a bit actually about this position right in front of the defenders with the the kind of the deep-lying midfield players of which we play two and I don't think that sh- that's necessary domestically. No. I even asked the question, should you play one? If you were playing one, I've heard a few suggestions that Ayer should be playing in there because he used to play in midfield. I think we'd miss him far too much at the back, personally. Um, Beaton, I know you're a big fan of Beaton. Mm-hmm. Is he no the best player in that position that we've got?
4: he's probably the most natural player in that position. I've heard a lot of people saying he slows the game down, but that's sort of what that position does. But where I see the benefit for that is when you see the likes of Ayer, who makes the the long-busting runs forward, Mm -hmm. he surges forward to kind of create a a different option for the attack. In that sense, Nierbeton then slides back into the centre-half position, which means Ayer isn't sprinting back to cover... If something goes wrong, you've got someone that's already in that position.
3: Can you remember an occasion where we've, we've set up like that with Bton playing just in front of the defence? <sighs>
4: that's probably a long time ago now. Yeah. I don't think Beaton's played centre defensive mid for Celtic since maybe Ronnie Dial?
3: Right. No, I just think that, you know, personally, I don't think it's McGregor's position. Uh, Brown, I don't know if it's still a position he can he can play because it's certainly not been working this season. So um, is it an option or do we just not play them?
4: Well, my question would be now that Scotland's qualified for the European Championships, does Scott Brown still think that he could maybe get himself involved and maybe sign off for his career from playing at the Euros? If he can perform well between now and the end of the season, does it then come into Steve Clark's consideration to maybe have him as part of the squad?
3: Would he get a game on that side? Well, that's a serious question, he?
4: Well, if you think about it, you've got him playing. So really, for me, it would be a playoff between Brown and Jack. And if he can get Brown on the form that was in its stages last season, mm. or the season before, where he was pretty much player of the year, then he is probably the first choice in that position. So if it's between him and Ryan Jack, at the minute Ryan Jack would get in there. Yep. But if Brown can put a performance in through the rest of this season then surely he's a good person to have in the squad.
3: Listen, if that motivated him and uh, you know his performance has improved as a result of that, I'm all for it. But I, I just think that that ship has sailed in terms of Scott Brown. I mean, when I'll, I'll, I'm watching Scotland, I'm looking at players like Armstrong and I'm looking at Tierney. Uh, I'm also looking at the what might have been a John McGinn. I get the same feeling when I'm watching Belgium and obviously with the, when Denier and, and Boyata are paired mm-hmm. up. Um, you know, Even Tierney seems to have developed Colin when you look at him now compared to the the Tierney we had which wasn't so bad but he seems to have developed since he's gone down to Arsenal.
4: Definitely but I think a lot of that comes from the additional resources that Arsenal have to Celtic. When you think about it there's probably 17 sports science coaches as opposed to a handful at Celtic. There's more time spent on... Uh, working in the training ground as opposed to when you're maybe playing against Hamilton and uh, Livingston and teams like that. I think when you look at the, the money that's spent down south, you see how players can develop like that. We spoke about this last week when we said like guys coming through from the PSG Academy, mm-hmm. from the Man City Academy and then coming and playing in Scotland and the difference. Tierney's really high up his game. He's been affected a lot by injury since he went down south. Yeah, So he has had to make himself that bit stronger to survive, um, down in that league. So, I I think definitely he's he's developed as a player, and he certainly looks very commanding in that centre back role for Scotland.
3: Gary Dunan. thank you, Gary, for getting involved. Facebook, 2014 two thousand and fourteen, four nothing. The Virgil Van Dyke, terrific free kick,
4: great free kick. That yeah, Easter Road. Free kick. Yep. Two thousand and fourteen. So you're talking wow. that's nearly six years.
3: Nah, it would be six years.
4: Well, it depends when it was. well, we're <laughs> nearly done, 2020.
3: No, that that's an incredible start. and uh, Mark has come on, and th- thanks for joining us again, Mark. It's always a pleasure to get you involved, um, confirming it was January 2014, so almost seven years. Oh, you're
4: coming up for seven years. It's yeah.
3: crazy, isn't it? Mm. Um, I do know that uh, Brendan Rodgers' side certainly didn't like playing at Easter Road. No. Uh, and I remember Hibs getting the 2-2 at, at Celtic Park the day that Coolio was there. As well, remember. Yes, McGinn scored two, and McGregor scored two that day. So yeah, it's an interesting one to look at. Uh, but as you say, you pick what you think is your favourite eleven. Very rarely does it match what what Neil Lennon thinks. Mm-hmm. Um, we're hoping, obviously, that whatever happens tonight, we still have uh, Lee Griffiths <laughs> near Beaton, Ryan Christie, and Carl McGregor available for selection coming our game against Hibs. Now, before we move on to other matters, Colin, give me a prediction for for the game against Hibs.
4: I think it'll be a very um, end-to-end game. It's very much like the game was against Motherwell. Uh, I don't think Hibbs will sit in at all. They'll definitely come out and have a go at us. Jack Ross has really installed that within his teams that it doesn't matter who they're playing, they still come out and have a go against them. It certainly worked against Rangers where they got the point point. Um, and I think they'll definitely do that against us. Where that comes into our hands is I think that helps us because we struggle to break down the teams that's in front of us. I know Stevie Mullen was speaking about it last week when he was saying we really need to change up how we do it. Big teams like Bayern can break down walls of 10, why can't we? But at the minute, we we haven't got that, and it's not going to change overnight. We prefer when teams come out and have a go at us, and I think it will be a a pretty high-scoring game. I I could see maybe another 4-2 or a 3-2 or something along them lines.
3: Right, I mean I've been accused of being quite negative this season on this podcast Colin, um, I'm only calling as I see it, you know that that's the thing, we don't have a narrative, the narrative is depending on what's happening on the park and the results, um, but I'm kind of looking at the situation and I'm looking at some of the players who perhaps have found a bit of form, who have been concerning us now Barkas obviously has not had an opportunity to do that I mean I think it was Moldova that was playing Greece during the week there he was on the bench on New Substitute uh, but I do think the break's done him well I think I still have faith that he can turn it around especially with Stevie Woods there you see his track record Duffy's not a bad player Colin there's no way he's all of a sudden a bad player and I can see that uh, eventually that I hope is is gonna resolve, be resolved, resolve itself, he's gonna resolve it. Um, and then Edward being the other one that I've had concerns with and I'm hoping that he looks at the situation as it stands and yeah, he wants a move. Of course he does. I mean no one thinks otherwise. The boy wants a move. I don't want that move to happen in January. I don't think any Celtic fan would, even based on his poor form. And I see him turning it around this season. I'm going to be very, very positive. Now, Gary Doonan reminded us of a game almost seven years ago. I'm going to go for 4 0 Celtic it's the Road.
4: That is a bold prediction. Yep. Yeah. Definitely a bold prediction. I don't.
3: Listen, I have bigged up Hibs all season. I've been a big fan of Jack Ross um, and his sidekick, John Potter, for a long time. Even when you think of them down in Sunderland, I rated them highly. I think that uh, they were sacked prematurely down there. Definitely. And but don't underestimate the hit that they took when Hearts beat them—a championship. Hearts beat them in the semi-final with the cup. Now I know that they've had a result against Dundee. I know they've had that, but their fans at the moment—they uh, were talking about Shugley pegs just the other week
4: there about Jack Ross. Oh, I tell you the, the biggest thing about your prediction is not the four goals for Celtic because we've got the players in the team that can certainly do that. Mm-hmm. It's keeping the clean sheet at the back. Now, I know we kept How big is that if we do though? I mean, how big is that in
3: the great scheme of things? It doesn't seem like or oh, it's a it's a clean sheet you should expect often to have a clean sheet for Celtic. Uh but this season it's it's huge.
4: Oh, certainly in the league. I know we kept the clean sheet against Aberdeen in the last season's Scottish Cup but in the league this season there hasn't been many that I can remember off the top of my head I mean even against Hamilton we can see the, the, the kind of fluky goal against Camarnock the penalty two against Livingston three against Aberdeen yep. against Rangers maybe Ross County might be the only clean sheet or Hibs actually, Dundee United away did we keep a clean sheet against Hibs 3-0 and Dundee I've United away yeah. yeah so there's not been many when you look at it so mm-hmm. far and that's something it's we do some. need to get back in. No, you're right. We do need to get that run a clean sheet. She'll um, look at even Scott. B- it's the marketer's report.
2: This week, Patricio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct to Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust.
0: Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that.
2: As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more.
4: And when he came in the first time, I think he kept something like 11 out of 13 clean sheets when he first moved into the Celtic side.
2: Mm.
3: Yeah. Carol Muggle and only nine goals in his first 13 games. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so also on the Hibs game, obviously we'll be covering that game. We'll be half an hour before and after the match as well as a half-time analysis, Colin. Um Guests to be confirmed because obviously everything's been thrown up in the air with regards to travel. That's the big thing that that we face is the travel restrictions. I mean, this is um, a studio, it's a business, it's a working place. Um, so it's not two guys meeting up in a bedroom or a living room. So it is different. However, we do have the travel aspect of uh, who can come in and who can't but as we showed earlier on Simon Donnelly dialed in we'll be doing a lot more of that until things clear up we'll be once again subjected to another PPV uh, against Hibs it's the third I think Ross County and St Mirren being another yep. two as well as your Premier Sports, BT Sports, Sky Sports and the Celtic TV coverage that uh, we have been dealing with this season to make sure that we can watch every game even though we've got I think I mean there's there's seven season tickets within this one room, um, you know what I mean, Colin. So it's like you have bought your season ticket, you've got your pass, but you're constantly paying money to get more and more. Um, where's the added value? Where's the added value that we were going to get?
4: I think that's uh, that's not came yet, has it? It's certainly nope. not came yet. I mean, we get given the was it the Sarajevo game, the Riga game? One mm. of the games was on the the pass, the Paradise way, because it wasn't on Premier Sports. That's that's not came yet. Celtic released a DVD a couple of weeks ago. Did you know that?
3: It went right over my head. I did see something on their Twitter page, I think. Um, But, I mean, DVDs at this moment in time, I think. Get with the programme, man. I mean, see, at the end of the day, content. Content is king. Content is king in this game, and particularly when you're not going to watch games. So, if you're going to give content, you don't burn it on the idea. It's not 1996. You know, you, you create that content and you make it available Digitally.
4: Well you look at all the the things that's out there at the minute Netflix, Amazon, Disney have got one. A lot of other different sports have a streaming service. Yep. Now for me I think that would be a great idea and I thought that was what we were going to get with this Past the Paradise was going to be a streaming service that was set up that you could log in and watch the games, that you could go back and watch the highlights afterwards. And more. Yeah, exclusive interviews. Yeah. For me I think this DVD should have been one of the additional values. Now Let's not forget, in case anyone from Celtic is watching, that you do get the chance to look at the digital match program every week.:
3: Is that your extra? Yeah, really I mean, I mean
4: uh, by the way, don't anybody that's thinking that I'm being deadly serious here I'm not that no, is, but that's pathetic I did,
3: listen, I'm going to give you what I think should be done and this this was spoken about I think a week or two ago. Celtic TV is, is what it is, right and in order to give you added extra. Let's give, give us, uh, as an example, right? So yesterday, we recorded five different broadcasts. Some of them were live, some of them were pre-recorded. Five, Colin, right? Now, that's five hours of content, all free. Today, this is your third, because you had your Football Insomniac podcast earlier on. We then spoke to, to Sid um, at half past 12. This is our third. So three hours, there or thereabouts, mm-hmm. free content. Now, a club the size of Celtic for a season ticket that, doesn't allow you to go to the games. Should be providing content, bespoke content as well as some archive content. I remember a few years back when you looked at uh, there was a, a portal on the Celtic website. You might remember this, and it was loads of archive stuff. Can you mind that? Mm-hmm. So maybe back in the day. I remember for exact one example. I remember clearly is the um, the George Connolly uh, short documentary that they made for Celtic TV. It was Margot McQuaig that was involved in it. Celtic's Lost Boy I think it was called mm-hmm. and it was brilliant let's say it was 45 minutes long that was something you could go in anytime you wanted and you could watch it there's loads of archived material that Celtic have produced over the years I mean we we did for a spell during lockdown the Celtic uh, VHS club the video club because I've sadly enough I've got every VHS that Celtic ever released or anyone ever released on Celtic now obviously I don't have the rights to that I can't show that but the club have got loads of material and they've got a digital and they've got a media team that could be creating far more material that is given out as part of the fact that you've got a season ticket.
4: See when you look at some of these subscription services like Amazon and like Netflix and uh, one in particular that maybe not a lot of the, the viewers will know but the, the WWE over in America has tiered Are you one no, 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 not really. The but you will see it as on Amazon Prime is right, it? on Amazon Fire Sticks. Right. Um, that's always one of the apps that suggests you download. But taking a look at them streaming services, because I did actually do some research on it, a lot of these have tiered levels. Mm. So you maybe have a free level, you then have a, a tier one, a tier two, and a tier three.
3: Then it talks us about tier
4: Tiers is a bad word. Right. Level one, two, and three. Yep. And on, it's different price points for each level. Aye. Now, we could say that level zero was the basic season ticket subscription. That was what you got, and you maybe got the odd um, interview here and there, some free content, and that's what you got because you signed up to the past to Paradise. Level 1 could be an additional level where you have footage of old games. You can go and watch a 90 minutes from all the content that Celtic have because they record every single game. It could also have included uh, testimonials, friendlies, yeah, some of the documentaries that they've done vault, before. A huge a huge vault. There's different tiers you could do that, and it's an additional way for Celtic to make money in a very difficult period. Mm. And I, I think if you said to a Celtic fan out there that was paying nine ninety nine to watch Netflix and see some of the stuff that's on that, would you pay nine ninety nine for a Celtic based video subscription service? I think a lot of people would do it. It's
3: something the club um, are going to have to look at because, again, I used an example in Western Australia where a club had a. Um, uh, an aim To get 75,000 members To sign up for So it's not a season ticket You're signing up as a member You're making a payment And they actually exceeded that And it was 100,000 Now could Celtic get 100,000 people To pay up for a paid service? They're going to have to Especially, you know if, if the situation doesn't improve In terms of fans and stadiums And as I said As a an independent uh, Media production company We have been putting out Up to five broadcasts a day Now if we can do it Colin a club the size of Celtic, where a whole media department can do it, right Definitely. now behind the scenes stuff, interviews covering um, all levels of football, women's football, which you're currently watching on the big screen on that telly there. <laughs> not quite sure who's playing. Um, everything you can imagine can be covered, and it could be put out and streamed. And I think it's a, it's a trick Celtic are missing. But if you're looking at uh, added value, there there it is right there because the YouTube channel, what you get in maybe one, two, sometimes three videos a day. It's not a great deal of content.
4: It's not even that. It's the viewership that they're getting for some of those content. There was a fantastic interview with Diego Lachsalt when he signed, and I think the viewership figure was about 6,000. Now, when you look at the amount of Celtic fans that's out there, if you put that on a platform that's more accessible for the fans, then you would definitely get a higher viewing figure. Now, we, we've been very fortunate here at A Celtic State of Mind that our our viewer figures continue to increase and it's it's all part of the, the fan experience is that fans come on and give their views on what Celtic are doing and what Celtic should do. And that's a great thing for fans is to have that output. But when Celtic are the professional company, when they are the football team, you're looking for them to be the top dogs in there. You, you want them to be the industry standard. you're right. Yeah. Yep. and then it should be for places like a Celtic state of mind to strive to be as good as Celtic but at the minute I feel it's the other way around
3: well you know for example there's a lot of big things happening in December uh, just even for ourselves we've got, the, we've got the Scottish Cup final of course called Triple Treble there's an opportunity for added value now I know the game will be live on the telly and all that mm-hmm. but um, give us something else Give us something else Make it a whole day event Uh, I'm talking about Trying to put something in place We spoke about it earlier Um, It's maybe ambitious 24 hour live broadcast
4: Here's the thing So when you sign up For a season ticket It's 19 league games Plus one qualifier Plus Sorry One cup game Plus one Additional game To be added on They ran two test events At the start of the season Which was the two friendlies Which were basically played Back to back Mm -hmm. Against the Ross County And against Hibs If they turn round and say that that's the two additional games on the season ticket, we've got problems. Because that was test events for a streaming service that they weren't sure was working. and actually didn't properly work for a lot of fans, even on the opening day of the season.
3: Listen, when we were watching the Ferenc Varos game, we were getting text messages about the goals before we saw them. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's how we couldn't do live commentary on the games no commentary as such but a watch along I think it's called and that's why we do the pre-match post-match and half time instead Colin which we're going to stick to because it works pretty well but yeah I think there's your opportunity there 20th of December quadruple treble what are you doing for it what are you giving us free that we can all enjoy um, now David David Cranes via Facebook uh, thanks for your comment David Eddie will be back in business the couple of goals will get his confidence back on track what do you think it's been with Edward I know that obviously the illness um Calling that you that you called a known story, but I think you regret that. <laughs> you obviously regret that now. Um, but then, Neil Lennon himself said that the transfer speculation had uh, affected him. Can he put that to one side? Can we see a rejuvenated odson Edward?
4: You would like to think so. You'd like to think he would get back to some of the form that we've seen, especially in the second half of last season when he was outstanding. Uh, there's been multiple games over his time at Celtic where he's been like a class above anything in Scottish football, but so far this season he's just not shown it. I think even in the opening day of the season when he got his hat-trick, there was still more that you were expecting from him. He's shown glimpses here and there. I think when he's playing for France though he's not the main man. I don't think he's the, the one that they're turning to to expect to create something. I think they're kind of putting it on a plate for him. Especially when you're kind of looking at the balls that he's getting played through, he scored a few penalties for France as well. There's other creative players, so maybe if we see like of so Christie, El Rodic scoring a couple of goals, it takes the pressure off him, and maybe he gets one that puts him on a bit of a run uh, between now and uh, the end of the season.
3: Alternatively you could play Lee Griffiths Which you have already suggested And that uh, sentiment is echoed by Terry Tibbs Who is commenting on YouTube Start Griffiths and we will be two goals uh, To the good by half time There are certain players that You just know domestically Colin. They know what's required to go out there And grind out results for example Or you could trust Lee Griffiths to go out there And I know I don't think it's been a a particularly good uh, Hunting ground for Griffiths as a Celtic player um, East the Road I'd like to see those stats as well but you know I wouldn't put it past uh, Griffiths to start against Hibbs and as Terry Tibbs quite rightly says he's the type of guy who could get a couple of goals for you
4: well I mean certainly in these short appearances that he's had for Scotland he certainly looked fit he's looked as if he's caught up with the pace of the game he was very unlucky against Slovakia at the weekend stood up and scored a penalty against Serbia last week when the weight of the world was probably on him. It was a, such an important game. And to me, I think if you've got him on this kind of form, you've got to play him. Because we've got him to the standard that we know Lee Griffiths can get to. So let's make the most of that. Let's start seeing the benefit for Celtic of that. Someone we haven't even spoke about is Albin Ayeti mm. Or Patrick Klamala. Will Klamala be in the squad? Will we go to Ayeti? I mean, it's...
3: Clemalla, is a fourth choice for me now. Um, we asked the question earlier on when when Griffiths was out of pitch, and Clemalla with, with his hard work ethic and all all his conditioning, Colin um, pushed himself into the, th- the kind of third choice. It's incredible to imagine that you know we were in a situation where Clemalla started against Rangers. Yeah,
4: um,
3: and I know that there was there was issues around um, Eduard with the illness, a Yeti who should have been playing that day, but uh, his fitness wasn't as he thought it was on match day. Uh, and we opted for Clamala, So I don't think he is anywhere near Starting a game for Celtic at this moment in time
4: Well that's the thing You could potentially have the three of them On the bench On Saturday I keep forgetting it's Saturday We've been playing that many Sunday games There's a
3: good point actually on that Sorry to uh, interrupt you But um, why uh, Terry Tibbs again This is what I don't get Scotland play tonight Which consists of several Celtic players But yet yeah, we play on Saturday And Rangers play on the Sunday TV
4: isn't They're on TV on Sunday
3: it so does I've seem kind of, of unfair though when you know, you've know you got the amount of players at Celtic do have yeah, they are going to have that. a day less to prepare. What I have and seen though is
4: uh, I think there's an English Premier League game kicking off at half-twelve on Saturday. Mm-hmm. That shouldn't be a thing either. Just across the board. But yeah, <sighs> do you know what? It's the way it's going to be for Scottish football going forward. Well, Now the international breaks they shouldn't have any more before I think it's March next year. So maybe we'll get a chance to get a run on with no interruption from
3: that. You just reminded me of something. Um we had wee Mickey Weir on the other day. Yeah. And uh, former Hibbs uh, player Mickey never ever liked um us facing Mickey Weir. It was one of the guys that because you know you could do damage, that you didn't like playing against them and didn't like playing against Dan Jackson either. Um but someone made the comment why, why do footballers um like if he's talking about Jackie McNamara, for example, and he and he calls him the Jackie McNamara's? the Ali Brazils well there was only one of them you know and, and someone actually brought up made me, me laugh it was something that would be discussed on fantasy football back in the day um, you know they're, they're talking about the tense um, w- when the past tense and uh, how footballers talk about and he's played me in you know and they're talking in the present but it's actually something yeah. that happened in the past you just did it there you just did it um uh, when you're talking about it and you say, oh, well, listen, that's a news one for sc- footballers. Listen, they tell you that halfway through what they're saying. Um, but, you know, th- this is thing in, a thing in football, isn't it, where footballers seem to um, copy each other when, when they're getting interviewed. And um, I don't know if there's many media schools for footballers, to be honest with
4: you. I doubt it. I mean, all you have to do is look back to uh, Jeremy Frimpong when he was interviewed after his debut and the famous saying, "All my days came out. <laughs> if right. I played a Celtic they turned that into
3: a t-shirt I wouldn't have bought it um, <laughs> more chance of me buying a DVD but uh, we've spoken about the Beatons and the Browns let's talk about the Enchams and it's uh, Kaplow Mark who says Encham has not delivered on his potential since signing he's certainly inconsistent yeah. he's inconsistent but you've picked him against Hibs mm-hmm. could you talk us through that one
4: I think Encham you know as you're saying the inconsistency I think Encham suits these games, he certainly seems to rise to the occasion for a lot of the bigger games. A lot of times I see people saying he goes missing, he's throwing the passes to the wrong people, but this is the kind of games that Incham wants to think that he can control because I think Incham thinks that he's going to move up to the next level and if he can do it against the bigger teams, then that's where he'll get the attention and I think that's where he'll step up to it. Not that I agree that that's the way he should be playing at all. But I just, I've just i noticed that when, Chan, when you look at some of his best performances, we're talking about Lazio away, we're talking about Rangers. So he does tend to turn up in the bigger games.
3: Talking about um, stepping up a level, Colin, and obviously Celtic offer that platform for so many players and have done over the years to so many players. When you look at a player like Van Dyke coming in, I think it was pretty obvious he was always going to step up a level. We saw it with Wanyama. um, I think Moussa Dembele, it was quite clear Mm -hmm. he could play higher level. Eduardo, although he's been poor this season, we all know that his ability uh, could be utilised at a higher level. Encham, I have a question mark over that. I mean, even Boyata. You look to Boyata and you thought to yourself, you know, there was areas of his game that certainly could have improved. Next thing you know, he's playing for the number one nation in the world (laughs) regularly. Uh, But Encham... Higher level, let's talk about English football Where where would he go in English football?
4: I don't think he'd make a top half team to be honest with you um, But I could see him slotting in at a Southampton or something like that I know they're sitting high towards the top of the table now, now yeah. But generally speaking they've been sort of round about mid to lower end of the table I think he would slot in somewhere like that
3: Has he maybe got one eye on what uh, Dembele's done going back to, to France? He could do Because I think Marseille were interested, were they not?
4: Porto were interested as well Maybe it's a a slower, more technical game that suits them. Definitely the game of Scottish football is more fast-paced, it's more in-your-face, whereas think he'd have more time on the ball in the likes of France and Portugal.
3: It takes me on to the point when we're moving into the January uh, transfer window and um, I actually don't expect much business to be done because I, th- I don't think they've sold many of their DVDs, Colin. Um, <laughs> so, Incham was one of the guys that I always said that he was the most sellable out, out of all our, our players. Uh, and that, this was at a time when we were almost selling Rodrik for £4 million, which seems bizarre now because <laughs> uh, he's one of the first names on the team sheet. Encham... Um, Potential to move in January? If so, do we bring in Fraser Foster? Seen a few reports on Celtic fan media, to be fair. Uh, some of them, I think, have the ear of the CEO, I believe. Uh, and Foster is is being touted about. Is that a guy that we need to look at? Or do we look at Barkas and think and have faith in Stevie Woods that uh, we can get the potential that we've seen in Barkas out?
4: I think you need to give Barca's another chance a couple of games at least before you make that decision. He's been in, he's now come back out the side. This is his chance to establish that jersey as his own and before we make a decision on his future, I think you've got to give him another chance. If he comes in and he's not the £4.5 million goalkeeper that we think he is and there's a chance of bringing Fraser Foster in to the end of the season, then definitely let's let's go for it, let's have three three goalkeepers I think you need last three anyway season. don't you we had three last yeah. season so let's go for it um, but if he comes in and then makes that position his own then it's going to be hard to drop him
3: and of course we've got um, Hazard who is uh, in the Northern Ireland squad as well so I mean you're looking at that you're thinking well Barkas Foster then perhaps Bane might be out of the picture but you know Let's have a look and see as you see what happens over the next few weeks. We've got a Scottish Cup final to prepare for and look forward to now. Francie W um, is coming on to give us his starting lineup against Hibs and it's Barcas, Elhamid, Duffy, Ayer, and Taylor, mm. Frimpong, Christie, McGregor, Laxalt, Moy, and a Yeti. Now I can understand why you would do that. It gives you the uh, a wee bit more kind of solidity at the back if you've got Elhamid and Taylor who are more traditional fullbacks, Colin. Uh, pushing Luxor up because he certainly would still start but maybe in a more advanced role Um, El Yunusse you know he's going to start isn't he after Mm -hmm. his, his, his performance against Motherwell there is a question about the forwards, um, another good point coming in from Terry Tibbs who's on form today, the national team have travelled to Serbia, Slovakia and Israel, they will be knackered this weekend and that includes Griffiths, I know he's not had many minutes but he's done all the traveling is hasn't
4: he? Well I wonder if Terry's been watching the football insomniac, especially last week when that was my, uh, what grinds my gears, is the fact that we're playing three games over six days, 6,000 miles travelled, 300 minutes of football, it's a lot for um, these players, but having looked at some of their, their stories on Instagram, it looks as if they were sunbathing over in Israel, because the weather's been quite nice, so maybe the, the sun on them may have refreshed them.
3: Now, here's your worst nightmare, because Mark uh, Talia has told us that Burke and McBurney play, or reminded us, that they play in the, for the same EPL club, uh, and that McBurney has not scored since July, so... I think
4: he got two goals last season and they yeah. spent £20 million on him. Mm-hmm. Two goals.
3: And just a wee reminder that Stuart Armstrong is fabulous and uh, Joe Porter always liked him. Uh, again, he was one of these guys, you know, Ryan Christie's getting a lot of stick because it's quite clear Ryan Christie has ambitions to move down south. Mm-hmm. Um, Stuart Armstrong never ever had that. He never had that that was his ambition.
4: Do you know what the thing about Stuart Armstrong was? Is I feel as though he had a great... Sort of 18 months for Celtic. When he came in alongside Gary Mackay Stephen, it was clear that Stuart Armstrong was the player that we needed. Gary Mackay Stephen was the player that we wanted. And it turned out that basically Armstrong was the better of the two signings. Armstrong went on to have a great season under Rogers, but then sort of faded out of the picture. And when he was sold on, when you got £7 million for him, there wasn't a lot of Celtic fans complaining at the fact that he left the club.
3: No. And then he's, he's taking time to settle down at Southampton as well.
4: Yeah. I
3: also look at these players, um, can they step up again? Could Armstrong step up again? Could Tierney step up again? I think when you're looking at the players that we've got that who are rubbing shoulders with with those types of player calling, you know, Ryan Christie and, and Callum McGregor, do you think that Tierney could step up even further from Arsenal? No. And no,
4: that's I think level.
3: Tierney's at his level.
4: Right. I don't I, If you look at Arsenal, they're they're supposed to be a top four side. Now they haven't really been for the last couple of seasons and certainly this season the form's been really inconsistent. I don't know if anybody actually watched their game against Aston Villa but take a look at, I think it's the second or the third goal. Aston Villa dance around them and Arsenal is like when you've unplugged the controller when you're playing FIFA. They don't move. They're just so static and Jack Grealish and I can't remember who the other boy was on the left-hand side basically passed it about and they were doing fancy flicks and the ball got played across the goal and it went in the back of the net. Arsenal defensively are very, very poor. Kieran Tierney, could they step up? Where would you go? Are you talking about a Bayern Munich? Are you talking about a PSG? Are you talking about a, a Real Madrid or Barcelona? I don't think he's good enough you for that You could step level. up
3: in English football.
4: So when, when was the last
3: his, time Arsenal won a trophy?
4: But then you're, is you're a move from... Somebody's going to say,
3: oh, it was last season because I know nothing about English football. <laughs> they, did, they
4: won the FA Cup. <laughs> there they. you go. Right. But if I move from Arsenal to Man United, is that a step up? No, Man United are just as poor as Arsenal are. Mm. You move to Liverpool, you get Andy Robertson there, and you've got the same problem as what you've got at Scotland. Where do the two of them play? Does he move to a Man City? Man City spend a lot of money on defenders, so and they don't really tend to go for the, the British based players. So where do you go? You'd have to move out of England to move up a level.
3: One of the other bigger leagues. Mm.
4: I don't think he's got that ability. Would he, would he replace someone at Bayern Munich or Real Madrid or Barcelona?
1: No.
3: Let's see how he plays in an international finals tournament because it's something that uh, many Scotland players have not had an opportunity to do. Now, John... Magee, uh is telling us that Duffy and Encham, of course, there's been too many games already this season. There is no way they should play on Saturday against Hibs. It's all about opinions, and uh, no doubt ours will differ from Neil Lennon's. Now, we've spoken about stepping up a level, and uh, quite a bit we have spoken about where Celtic's future lies um, beyond Scottish football, perhaps. And obviously, there's long been talk about playing in. English football which uh, the door was closed back in 1998 as that happens after the World Cup Mm -hmm. that's when the legislation was put in place that would actually prevent a Scottish team from going to the English game we've done a bit of research on this podcast haven't we by interviewing people who were involved in the proposed move Mm -hmm. by buying Wimbledon back in the day Um, and also we spoke to someone who was involved in the the Trojan horse of buying Clydebank and trying to move them to Dublin just to see if they could test the water on that. That's now a no-no. But what has always been present is the potential to join some kind of Atlantic League with uh, clubs of other nations clubbing together within a league set-up and it's been confirmed that that's no longer Celtic's aim. What do you read into that, Colin? Do you think that the the rules are going to change following COVID? I mean, we look at English football, uh, try and keep up to date with it every single day on Sky Sports. Apparently there's 25 clubs in the league who are facing serious financial ruin um, if things continue as is. Would they be looking to strengthen their own game? Will there be um, national associations looking at each other to rewrite the rules? I mean, why would Celtic pull out of the plans for an Atlantic League at this stage when you know those discussions have been ongoing for some time.
4: The question I would have is did Celtic pull out or is the Atlantic League just something that isn't going to materialise?
3: They're claiming that there's a lot of sponsorship already uh, confirmed for the proposal. Well, They're talking about that, a billion pounds. Or, you for know?
4: me if that was really the case I wouldn't have seen Celtic pulling out of it. Because as you know the, the board that we have the, the owner that we have definitely looks for ways to improve Celtic's reputation across Europe and look at additional revenue streams mm-hmm. so if this was really such a big thing I wouldn't be convinced that Celtic would pull out at this stage unless there was something else in the pipework. so I, I, I read the report as well that they were pulling out the Atlantic League but the only way I think that they would ever do that is if it wasn't actually going to happen <laughs>
3: It's an interesting one. We'll see how that develops. Now, Michael, the boy who's commenting via Twitter, um, um, is saying definitely Kieran Tierney can step up another level. Uh, Mark is back on YouTube to say that he will end up at a real elite side. The Arse haven't got it in them to challenge. Um, <laughs> I agree
4: with you, totally agree with
3: you. Joe Porter uh, comes on to say the Gunners fans love Tierney. I think he had they have taken him yep. to the heart as have his teammates. And uh, we're reminded by 777 Kakashi on YouTube that Mackay Stephen is now at New York City with Dyla and F1 Juarez.
4: Joe Berge was there for a while as well.
3: Was he over there too? Yeah. Yeah. I remember Juarez. Looked good for him for a a spell.
4: He was fantastic. Then he went on international duty. He he played left back. He could play up front. He he was one of those utilities. Terry Tibbs
3: just reminding us that Arsenal won the FA Cup last year. That's fine.
4: That's all right. I told you that earlier. I know.
3: I almost corrected myself, Terry. My knowledge of the English games is improving by the day, but it's not great.
4: <laughs> no, what is, is an interesting one. Um, they almost got the exact, exactly the same money back for them as what they paid for them. Mm-hmm. And I think they paid three or four games for Celtic. Maybe more.
3: The Pumas. They'd be selling them from the Pumas or sell them to the Pumas. One or two. Um, here's a question for you. The Raga 3 via YouTube. Would you rather have Andy Robertson or Kieran Tierney? Who was the Who was the uh, the scout that No, the scout, the coach that tried to release the to Not sure.
4: Mm. Been an interesting one. Well, I'm sure somebody Still will be at the to tell us. But in what sense? Also for Celtic, for Celtic or for Scotland. Also or?
3: responsible for freeing Ireland Hickey. But there you go. He's maybe no good at identifying good left backs. <laughs> for Celtic um,
4: or for Scotland? What, what would you say? For Celtic, Celtic, yeah. Right, well, if it's for Celtic, I think the natural choice would be Kieran Tierney because he's been there and done it. But I also think that Andy Robertson is a fantastic left-back. He's done it on the big stage for Liverpool and he's put in some outstanding performances for them. He was one of the main contributing factors to them winning the league last season.
3: The Raga would take KT.
4: He would take KT. I think that. it's I think at Celtic it would be natural to take KT. Mm-hmm. We haven't really seen Andy Robertson in a Celtic jersey. There'll be very few of us that's seen that. But... I think he's a fantastic player and you can see that at Scotland it's Andy Robertson that's the first choice and Ciaran Tierney's moved into the the centre half position so I guess it's down to everybody's choice
3: Of course it is and that's why we have a a whole team of panellists coming in on a daily basis calling you come in on a Wednesday Uh, it's always a pleasure to chat to you thank you everybody for getting involved today on our social media channels and if you haven't already done so please subscribe to YouTube because we've got a couple of signed bottles of gin. One of them's Marchivenny, the other one's Chris Sutton. They were given to us by Simon Donnelly earlier on today. Uh, Sid came in remotely uh, for a wee chat. So please check that out on our YouTube. Subscribe to us on YouTube and we'll put you in the draw for a bottle of gin. Um, also There's a few other prizes that we'll throw into the mix uh, over the next month or so, Colin. And we're working on something big for December for the quadruple treble, potentially. Also, we're up for an International Podcast Award. International Podcast of the Year. That will be announced on the 1st of December. It'll all be virtual. Uh, So hopefully we'll do something that night as well so that, should we win it, um, you know, we could do something live. It'd be good to get the reaction.
4: Definitely, and I think a lot of people that have... uh are working from home at the minute will know the shirt on top shorts on bottom combination that will certainly be looked out for the award ceremony shirt and tie on the top pair of Celtic shorts on the bottom let's go for it
3: why not and uh, all that's left for me to say today is once again Colin thanks for joining us on a Celtic state of mind
4: take care guys <laughs>